In the midst of a 20-game losing streak, it's almost impossible to try to find any positives within such a crazy losing streak, especially with one coming close to setting the record for an in-season longest losing streak. But I want to talk about, how has Kay Cunningham looked over the last 10 or so games? Let's talk about that in today's episode of the Locked On Pistons podcast. You are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's the deal? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Pistons podcast. Per usual, I am your host, Kuka Hill. You can find me over on Twitter, at Kuka Hill. I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. We're free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Locked On Pistons. Hit that subscribe button or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. That's another great way to support the podcast. And today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off of your first purchase. Later on in the podcast, I want to talk about why I believe the next move should be for the Detroit Pistons. And when I say that, what do they need to do immediately? What what should be the next what should be the next move in this quote unquote restoration? What's the next move they need to make to try to turn this thing around? To try to salvage anything from this season? Because right now they're on track to just nothing to pull from this season. They need to pull something from this season. So I want to talk about why I think the next move is. And in the final segment, I want to talk about positions they could potentially try to target in the trade market. Once December 15th rolls around and they can and, and NBA teams can trade free agents that were signed this past offseason. Um, we'll talk about that. Um, but first, I want to talk about Kay Cunningham and how he's looked recently. Um, I, this is not going to be, let me just make this clear. This is not going to be me just worshiping Kay Cunningham. I want to be, this is going to be straightforward, honest analysis about how I think he's played as of late. Um, because for the first you know, however many games of the year, uh, it was up and down. He had some highs, some real high highs, and then he had some lows. Um, And it was pretty inconsistent through the beginning of the season. However, I do think he's picked it up over the last 10 or so games, and he's starting to become a little bit more consistent. Um, You're starting to see him knock off a little bit of that rust. I do think that, you know, people kind of, poo-pooed the whole he hasn't played basketball in over a year and is coming off a major injury and it was going to take him time to kind of recover. Um, And despite that, I don't think he's played tremendous over the last 10 or so games, but I do think he's been better. So just to read the stats off, over the last 11 games, Cade is averaging 23 points a game, 7.3 assists, 4.3 rebounds, 3.5 turnovers, shooting 45% from the field, 38% from deep on 5.7 attempts, which is great. Um, and 90% from the free throw line on 4.0 attempts a game. So, shooting great from beyond the arc, shooting great from the free throw line, not as good on some twos. You'd like to see his two-point percentage get up. You'd like to see him his midi a little bit more. Um, you'd like to see him finish a little bit more. Um, not at the rim, but kind of like that, that semi-floater distance. You'd like to see him get a little bit better around that distance. And then, obviously, you'd like to see him draw more free throws. He absolutely has to draw free throws. This past game against the Indiana Pacers, he drew zero free throws. And it's, it's again, Cade doesn't get a very generous whistle at all, but he can, you know, do a better part in trying 
to draw contact. There was this one drive against the Indiana game. And again, like I said last podcast, I was there credentialed for this game. There was one drive he got all the way to the basket and went to challenge Miles Turner. And I thought for sure he was going to get at least free throws out of it because I thought he was going to go straight into the dude's body. But instead, he kind of like extended his arm as far as possible away from Miles Turner, shielded away from the contact, and tried to pull up like a half hook across the rim. Now, is Cade a- capable of making that shot? Sure, we've seen him make it. But it's a difficult shot where if you just go physical into the dude's body, con- try to sell some contact, fight through it, you get some free throws, hopefully. And most of the time, you'll get some free throws. Um, another thing he can do to try to draw some more free throws, he loves to pump fake. And usually, he gets the first guy in the air, but he just doesn't jump into the guy after the first jump. I, I don't know why he does it. He, he makes life harder on himself. The pump fake is convincing. He gets the dude to jump in the air, and once he jumps, you've done your job. Now you just jump in, you draw free throws, you're at to the free throw line for two points. Like it's the easiest way, and he he sets it up. He just doesn't take it. So, however he does it, he has to draw free throws. And I will say, at three point five turnovers a game over the last eleven games, that is a number you can live with. You'd like to see it get lower. But that like 5.5 where he was at like earlier in the year, that 5.3, like that was, that, that's insane amounts. That's way, way overboard. Three and a half, that is still high, but I can live with three and a half. Like I, if you're playmaking how he's playmaking, you know, and you're going to have the ball in his hands as much as he does, three and a half turnovers, I can live with it. Like I, I'd like to see it go down again, like I said. But now that's, that's just a number that you can, you know, you can push through. So I'm happy that the number has fallen down a little bit from that. So I think Kate has played pretty well over the last 11 games. Um, again, 23-7-4 and 45-38-90 splits. I think that's pretty damn good. And I, I think people, because of the losing streak over the last 20 games, obviously, um, for good reason, by the way, they haven't pulled any positives and don't really want to hear any positives. And hey, I've been one of the main people saying that. I completely agree. I understand. And some of the talk about Cade nationally has kind of got a little out of pocket because of how bad the Pistons are as a team, and it's kind of being reflected on Cade. Um, I don't think that's very fair because I do think he's been pretty good over the last 11 games. However, there are still many things he needs to get better at and things I don't think he's been very good at over the last 11 games. For example, one, I don't think he's been very good at all in defense. His rookie year, I thought he was really consistent defensively and showed how he was going to be, at the very least, a neutral defender. I thought he could be a plus defender. If not big plus, at least somewhat of a plus defender with his size and activity um, and energy on that end. Over the last 11 games, and really for the majority of this entire season, he hasn't given much energy on the defensive end. He hasn't been consistent with that energy on the defensive end, especially in the second half of games. I feel like his energy goes away on the defensive end of the floor. He's nowhere near as impactful, I think, as he was even his rookie season or even the 11 games he played his second season. Um, I just don't think he's been completely bought in on the defensive end. I think maybe some of it has to do with stamina. Maybe he's you know he's saving himself in that end because of how much he's carrying offensively. I do think that probably plays a part in it. Um, but nonetheless, one of the things about Cade, again, one of the things everyone loved about Cade coming out of college and in his first year is that he's a guy who can be like his own off, a team's own offense was, was the billing. He can be a powerhouse offense in of himself because of his ability to play, make, and score. But he's not one of those guys like that that can't play defense and has a slouch defensively. No, he's a guy who could handle himself defensively, and we saw that in his rookie season. And I don't think he's held that up this year. I think he's been actually pretty, I'd probably say, 
below average, close to bad defensively this year. And he, he's a better defender than he's shown. He needs to be more consistent and give more energy on that end of the floor. That's first. Second, I don't think, just like through the first, like, you know, 10, 11 games, he was up and down in, uh, throughout the season. I think throughout games, he's up and down. I think he hits a hot stretch in a game, and then he'll have, like, a low, like, five, seven-minute stretch, and then he'll come back up for a good three, four-minute stretch, and then he'll have another low, uh, like, five-minute stretch. He's very much, I'd say, even though I think he's played well over the last 11 games, it's still not as consistent as you'd like throughout games. And especially in the fourth quarter, I don't think he's been very good in the fourth quarter. Um, I think he's been better as of late than he was at the beginning of the year, but at the beginning of the year, he was pretty bad. And recently, he's been better, but I still wouldn't say he's been good. And nowhere near what he wants to be in the fourth quarter, nowhere near where he was as a rookie in the fourth quarter. Um, and I, I don't know if that has to do with rust. I don't know if that has to do with the amount of tension that he has on him. I don't know if he's running out of energy. All that, all that plays a part. Um, but I don't think he's been very good in the fourth quarter. And not just making shots-wise, I think he makes some poor decisions at inopportune times and causes you know easy buckets for the other team at like the worst possible situations. So, overall, how has Cade been over the last 11 games? I think he's been pretty good. I think he's been better. I think you're starting to see it turn around for him. I think you're starting to see him hit his stride. I think you're starting to see that Monty, who said after the game against Indiana, that he's still learning his team, and he feels like he's starting to learn him a little bit more. He said at practice today that he kind of feels like he should have learned a little bit more sooner. It shouldn't have taken him this long with certain things. And while I agree... Um, it's better late than never. And I think you're starting to see the impact of some of the lineups you're starting to see Cade play with. Some of the people he's on the floor with. Some of the players he's on the floor with. Um, the offense that's being ran around Cade. Um, you're starting to see that all get a little bit better. And it's resulting in Cade looking better over the last 11 games. So I, do I think Cade has reached what he could, you know, at his peak this season? No, I think he can be much better still and be really great. But over the last 11 games, I do think he's been pretty good. And I do think some of the criticism has been a little harsh. Though, I have my own criticisms of him, and I don't think he's been perfect. I definitely think there's criticisms out there. Um, also, the pull-up three-point shot, catch and shoot, tremendous. Pull-up three-point shot is not falling as much as I'd like it to. That has to fall at some point. Um, that's another thing. But that's my thoughts on Cade over the last 11 years. I think he's been pretty good. Uh, definitely good enough to win games. Like, definitely good enough to win games. Um, but he needs help. And I think the more help he gets, the better he'll continue to look and you'll start to see him his stride even more as the season goes on. So I think Cade's looked pretty good over the last 11 games, but I want to hear from you guys. What do you guys think over the last 11 games? Do you guys think Cade's look better? Do you guys think 45, 38, 90 splits on 23 points per game, 7.5 assists? Do you guys think that's good enough for Cade over the last 11 games, or do you guys want more? What do you guys have as criticisms for Cade, despite him picking it up a little bit over the last 11 games? Let me know in the comment section down below or over on Twitter at Hill. When we come back, what is the next move for the Detroit Pistons? I can't wait for this one, so stay tuned. But first, I've got to tell you guys about one of our sponsors, eBay Motors. Our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up with Locked On Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd. Josh is one of the best hosts at Locked On. Locked On Fantasy Basketball is absolutely amazing. I believe it the, has the most subscribers of any net or any channel with Locked On on YouTube. Just an amazing host and an amazing show to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week all season long. Whether you're prepping for a daily draft or scouting the waiver wire, every week we're going to provide you with players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. So let's see who Josh has picked out for us on this week's eBay Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. I'm not going to lie. 
over the last few weeks, Josh has been picking some Piston players. And this year, I mean, not this year, but this week, he continues to do so. He picks Asar Thompson. He says, if Thompson was dropped, go grab him because he is back starting and hopefully Monty Williams has realized his error. And I do think Monty Williams has realized his error. I think Asar Thompson, how he was looking coming off the bench, 27 field goal percentage, 16% from the three, not scoring at all, not really having much of an impact on the game versus how he's looked as a starter where he's played extraordinarily well on off on defense. And they're starting to use him offensively in ways that I've been begging since the Pistons drafted him. Monty has come out multiple times in the last 24 hours after the game and at practice talking about using Asar more as a screener in DHOs, getting him going downhill, using him, um, his playmaking a little bit more instead of having him spotting her up around the perimeter. So I do think that Asar Thompson already as a starter, without them doing that, was playing really well as a starter. But I do think now that they're starting to use him in different ways, he's going to get even better. He's going to look... I think he could be pretty damn good this year with how they're saying they're going to start using him. Um, Especially if he's going to remain a starter and he's going to continue to get his minutes. Definitely, if Asar Thompson is available, you definitely should go get him. I completely agree with Josh on this one. Josh Lloyd from Lockdown Fantasy Basketball is going to help you win your fantasy championship. And eBay Motors knows a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. It's the same thing with your vehicle. And you guys remember over the last few years when I was a delivery driver, my car would always break down. I'd have to go find a new part, and a part that isn't too expensive and one that is just available and ready to go get immediately and the right part. And I struggled with doing that, but not with eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof rack, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or you'll get your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. eBay Guaranteed Fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply at ebaymotors.com. I, I, I truly, truly mean that. If Sar Thompson's available in your guys' fantasy basketball leagues, you guys need to go out there and get him, man. You need to go out there. I think he's going to go crazy, but here's what it is. Um... Anyways, thank you guys for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We're free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Lockdown Pistons. Hit that subscribe button or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. That's another great way to support the podcast. So, it's December 12th when I'm recording this. Two days ago was my birthday. I'm now 500 years old. Don't don't, don't say nothing to me, man. I'm, I'm That casket's looking at me, man. It, it's getting 500 years old. It's... it's it, Grim Reaper's looking at me over there in that corner, man. It's just, it's getting harder and harder to look at, man. Getting old. Getting old, man. But anyways, recording this on December 12th. In a few days, free agents that signed this past offseason will be available to be traded. Um, and I think that does help the Detroit Pistons. Not only do they have a few free agents, or maybe not, they don't have a few free agents. Um, actually, do the free agents... Oh my god! I think I think it's the same day, December fifteenth, right? Is that players that got traded this past offseason can be traded again, right? Everything lifts off of the restrictions. I believe it's December fifteenth. I know for sure it's the free agents on December fifteenth. Um, the traded players might be like a week or so later. It might also be on the fifteenth. I'm not sure. Someone needs to fact check me on that. Um, but either way, <clears throat> other teams have free agents that they signed because they actually decided to use their cap space, and those guys can be traded, which means. Everyone just becomes more flexible and more available and, and, and more active in trade talks because 
there's not as much restrictions on it, which should open up some stuff with the Detroit Pistons. I'm not going to give, you know what, let me find the right way to say this. Do I think, because there's been a lot of talk. James Edwards III wrote an article about this recently with The Athletic. Um, and when I hear Pistons fans talk about this, I, I, I feel like I just disagree, to be honest, with, with, the, with the sentiment I would say is the majority right now. I think the Pistons' next move, they have to do something to salvage this season. And when I say that, the biggest takeaway I get instantly is, the biggest comeback I get is, why, you, why would you want to make a move just to get this team to win 20, 20 games? They're at two games right now. Who knows? They, they might set the losing record. Like, why would you make a big move right now just to avoid a losing streak hitting, like, peak levels to save a season that can't be saved? Like, that's the biggest, take, biggest comeback I get sent back at me. And I couldn't disagree more with that. Because, yes, while making a move, I don't think it's going to launch the Pistons back into the play-in tournament or something. They need to develop these players. And continuing to do nothing, and continuing to allow this type of losing, this type of environment, this type of, this type of negative energy, this type of poor product, this type of bad roster construction, this type of inability to put adequate lineups on the floor because of the roster... It's going to, yeah, not only will you lose games, obviously, they're, they've lost 20 straight games. But more importantly now at this point, after 20 games lost, it's going to hamper the development of your young guys. It's going to make it, not only is it going to make it harder to develop these guys, they are going to develop bad habits. And I've already seen bad habits start to get picked up on. Some of the careless turnovers. I didn't see these type of careless turnovers over the last few years. It's really bad. Especially at at at, at serious high stake moments, it they the turnovers get really bad, and they're not like aggressive turnovers. They're just completely careless turnovers. Defensively, like I said in the last podcast, not talking at all, not communicating, not being able to execute a simple a simple uh, a scheme of switching. That's bad habits. Taking bad shots. The the point five second offense. You guys remember that? What we talked about. Uh, all offseason, remember that .5 second offense you saw in uh, in preseason that we all talked about? Remember that .5 second offense we saw maybe in like the first week of the season? Yeah, where's that at? Because that's completely disappeared over the last 20 games at least. It's completely disappeared. Guys are holding the ball more. Guys are taking worse shots. I, I think bad habits are being developed. I think guys... Because of the losing and because of the environment, because of the energy, and because of simply the construction of the roster, it's going to hurt them this season. You're not going to be able to even get, not only are you getting, not getting wins out of this season, you won't get the right development that you want out of this season. And all the Pistons fans have, all the Pistons organization has to hope for is their young guys getting better. Because winning isn't going to happen this year. So now you have to put all your, all, all your chips in the bucket of, Okay, well, at least these guys will develop. We can get these guys, you know, to, to get better by the end of the year. And I don't think that's going to happen by rolling out the same roster, by rolling out everything, the same thing every day. It's just going to continue to get worse and worse and worse. Some of the bad habits we're already starting to see will continue to happen. Guys will put their heads down. Guys will be giving up. Games will continue to get blown out. I think Asar Thompson said something really smart. I kind of alluded to it a few weeks ago. 
but after the game, he spoke about it. He doesn't think that they go into the game giving up, but he thinks once they get hit, basically, I- I'm summarizing what he said. He didn't say hit in the mouth, but I'm summarizing. He basically said once they get hit in the mouth, they can recover, but it get broken down easily. They, they like It doesn't take much for them to break. And I, I think I said that like a few weeks ago. Like That's where this team is at right now. To where I, they're not going into games wanting to lose. They want to win. They're going into games playing hard. But it's gotten to a point now with their mentality because of around the losing. And basketball is so much more mental than people think. That if you get mentally broken that easily, like you can clearly see them getting. All it takes is one big run to happen and it's just, it's over. It's done. And that, that kind of thing ruins development too. That ruins young players. So I don't think you can continue to just sit around and do nothing. So with that said, what do I think should be that move? I think any move should be on the table. Whether it's going and getting an all-star caliber player that becomes available, I think you if, he, if, if it's a, for a good price that you think is worth it, you go do it. If it's just getting other veterans that can help you win right now, help you develop these guys right now, go do it. I I feel like people too often believe that it's either, okay, you're making this big home run swing or nothing. There is is a big gap in between that you can do. It doesn't have to be Blake Griffin. Like, it doesn't have to be Blake Griffin in 2018 that they make. They don't have to make that type of move. There's all kinds of different moves in between nothing and Blake Griffin that the Pistons can do. Now, would I be against, for example, we talked about Zach Levine like two weeks ago on the podcast. If the offer, if if his value really is that badly into the tank, and it's, you can get him for, you know, for basically cheap. Yeah, I'd like for them to go get Zach Levine. I think he would help this team. I think he would provide something offensively to make life easier on K, to make life easier on Jay and Ivy, to make life easier on Asar. And then they could probably win more games. They'd be more competitive in games. And therefore, they get this stench off. Like, that kind of thing, I yes, would it result in a play-in or playoff wins this year? No, but I don't think that's the purpose at this point. The purpose is making sure you salvage some kind of development from your young guys and bring someone in that can help them develop. And this isn't me pushing for Zach Levine. That's just an example. But again, like I said, it doesn't have to be someone as big as Zach Levine. It can be, you know, role players that simply will be able to play minutes. That can simply fit what you need around this team right now and what you're trying to buy into for this season. That's like, it can be... That, that's really the main thing I wanted to get across is I do think a trade has to happen within the next few weeks. Has to happen. And what's that move? Anything. That's literally my answer. Any move that could try to help, whether it's for a big swing home run, whether it's for an all-star level player, whether it's for a starter caliber player, or whether it's for some role players that fit better. Like, do anything. Because what the Pistons currently have is not an NBA roster. We just got to accept that. Pistons fans, I think most Pistons fans have accepted that. But I ha- I hate to break it to you. These players that so many fans grew to like over the offseason and grew to like over the years, it's resulted in a 20-game losing streak. And the Pistons have a legit chance, no joke, of having the worst rec- record in NBA history. When that is the, 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 the possible future, that means some guys just aren't as good as you think they are. Some of the, the roster just isn't as good as you think they are. Some of these young guys are not as good as you think they are. Like, I'm sorry to break it to you, but that's just the simple truth. So, and especially the veterans. The veterans are not as good as you think they are. Like, all this stuff, everything with the roster is not as good as people thought they were. You wouldn't be on a 20-game losing streak approaching possibly having the worst record in the entire NBA history. 
Like, that's just the fact of the matter. That's where they're at now. So they need to add something. They need to do as, as much as they can to kind of reshape the roster midseason. Again, not to try to make the playoffs and win a playoff win, but to salvage this season and get something out of it with the development of the young guys they do believe in still. So that's where I'm at with it. Let me know what you guys think. Comment section down below or over on Twitter at Kuka Hill. Do you guys agree with me or do you guys disagree? Again, let me know. Before we come back, what positions, if they do go out in the trade market, should they be targeting? We'll talk about that when we come back. But first, I've got to tell you guys about one of our sponsors, Game Time. And Game Time is my favorite place to go to purchase tickets for sporting events, for music events, for comedy events, for theater events. It's my favorite app to go to, and here's why. I am a procrastinator. I think a lot of people out there are procrastinators too, even if you don't want to admit it. You're always waiting to the last second to do everything. When it comes to purchasing tickets, that ends up screwing me over, 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 and over again. Because by the time I purchase the tickets, there's not many seats available. I get a bad deal. I get some bad seats. All that kind of stuff. But with game time, they have last-minute tickets, flash deals, zone deals, all the way up, not only to the last-minute all the way up to the start of the event, but even after the event, they still will have some great tickets available for you. That's one of the reasons why I absolutely love Game Time. Another reason why I love Game Time is when you go to the app, you can see what your seats look like right there before you purchase them. Instead of having to wait till you get to the event and realizing, man, I got some bad seats. No, Game Time will let you know what your seats look like before you even purchase them. I think Game Time is easily the best ticketing app out there not only does it make things easy for you it makes things incredibly simple for you and instead of having to go through your email another thing i love about game time you don't have to go through your email it's just right there on the app two taps you're set right there very simple great deals every day love game time if you're looking to buy tickets you have to do it with game time Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Yes, $20 off your first purchase when you use code L-O-C-K-E-D-N-B-A for $20 off again with your first purchase. So download GameTime today. That's GameTime with last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed with GameTime. So I want to thank you guys again for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Lockdown Pistons. Hit that subscribe button or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. That's another great way to support the podcast. So, if the Pistons do get active in the trade market, and this won't be a long segment, if they do get active in the trade market, what are some positions they should target? And stay tuned. I think I'm going to drop an episode on the 15th or the week of the 15th. Um... I'm going to get a guest on here. That's that's the current plan. Uh, and we're going to talk about players, specific players the Pistons could potentially be interested in. But I'm not going to say players right now. I'm going to save it for that. I'm just going to talk about positions. What the Pistons need to be targeting in the trade market, they need to leave guards alone. They don't need no guards. They don't need none. They got Cade, Ivy, and Killian. Those guys have been good this year. They don't need them. They, they don't need any more guards, okay? They just leave that alone. Leave that completely alone. What they need is everything else. They need to go get wings, a wing, if they can, just one or multiple wings that can either do one or two things. Can do one or two things. Actually, you know what? Not one or two things. I lied. Just one thing. Can shoot the basketball. They need to be able to shoot the basketball, and they need to have size with them. Don't give me a wing 
That's six five. That you can. That's really a guard, but you can play him at the wing, like with Alec Burks. No, like get somebody who's six seven, six eight that can shoot the basketball. So at least when you do do this switch heavy defensive scheme, you're not switching guards on the on the forwards. You're actually switching size on the size. You're not losing too much in that size department. And you, I, I think that's the biggest thing. Obviously, shooting too. Get some wings that can shoot the basketball, get a wing that can shoot the basketball that has some size to them. That's number one. Number two, they need to get an option at either a starting power forward spot or a backup power forward spot. They need a guy not just at 6'8". I'd prefer a guy that has a little bit more size to him, 6'9", 6'10". The Pistons seem like, I've been saying this ever since I took over the podcast, the Pistons are like the only team I've seen in 2023 in the modern era of the NBA over the last few years, that just doesn't go with the rest of the league. Like, the rest of the league goes heavy on wings and has all kinds of guys that are 6'8", 6'9", 6'10", that are long and, and, and strong. The Pistons have decided to go guards and 25 centers that aren't good. Like, that, I, I, they're the only team that does this. I've been begging for years to go get some wing depth. They've needed it bad. So get a three that can shoot, get a four that can shoot, and both of them, I need them to be 6'8", 6'9", 6'10". Okay, like simple as that. Get some size out there. Like You need to balance out your roster. You can't just have guards and then seven-foot centers. Like it needs to be something in between. So that's the two positions I target. And then lastly, they need to get a backup center. They just need to. They need to get a backup center that can play defense. He doesn't need to be able to score. doesn't need to be able to dribble. Heck, if he can't pass that well, I don't care. He needs to be able to just simply set screens and play defense. Because right now, with Duran out, and by the way, Duran isn't even that good defensively. The first three games of the year, he was fantastic defensively. But ever since then, he looks like a 19, 20-year-old on defense. He hasn't been that good defensively. And then his two backups, Wiseman and Bagley, are both horrible defensively. So you just don't even have an option, really, at the five to play defense unless you play Stu at the five. And they've refused to really do that for the majority of the season. So... They need to get a backup five desperately, I think. That is at least an option you can throw out there when you want to go with, you need some defense, you need some rebounding. I'm going to continue to say Andre Drummond would be the best fit here um, for the backup five spot. But again, there's a, you can find other options, other backup fives that play defense, that aren't great players, but can play defense, set screens. They need one of those badly. So that, that's where I'd go. Those are the three places I'm really focusing on. And then, I guess, if you want to throw a fourth position out there, see if there's any, like, all-star level players out there available for cheap. I guess, sure. But the first three is the main thing they have to go get in the next few weeks. I think they should be extremely aggressive in the trade market. Again, not to not to somehow save the season and make the playoffs, but to help develop these young guys and actually create a winning environment and a good, envi- good environment around them. Because right now, they don't have it. They have a terrible environment, developing terrible habits, can't develop them. They, the, the, the city's giving up on them. The fans are giving up on them. They've given up on themselves. Like, it's a terrible, terrible situation that you have to change. You cannot continue to roll that situation out every single day and think something's going to change. You're just going to make guys worse. They're not going to develop. You're going to break them down mentally. It, it's bad. You have to change the whole situation up. So I think they should be aggressive in the trade market. I honestly think they, sh- they will. I hope. I hope. I, I, I'll say that. I hope they will. Um, but that's all I've got for you guys today. Let me know what you guys think. Comment section down below. Or over on Twitter at Kook Hill when we come or next time you guys hear from me on the podcast, it will be recapping the Pistons game against the Philadelphia 76ers. 
I think number 21 and 22 is coming back-to-back against 76ers. But it is what it is. I'll catch you guys in the next one. Stay safe out there. Thank you guys for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen every single day. Hit that subscribe button. And until next time, I'll see you guys later. Stay safe out there. Until next time, peace out.